guys welcome to the bill barnwell show i am bill barnwell today dominique foxworth is back breaking down his tweets defending his various tweets over the past few months which leads to conversations about so many different cool nfl things including ed reed stories dan campbell love what brian kelly should do bill belichick calling dominique foxworth sexy all kinds of stuff we get to today on the bill barnwell show as we get to the final steps before the nfl season before we start today's show i want to plug a podcast which is by of all people espn and enscape contributor dominique foxworth who has a new podcast every tuesday and thursday dominique is bringing you his unique perspectives on football with the personality surrounding so check out the dominique foxworth show and listen wherever you get your podcasts and if you want a preview of that show keep listening to our conversation with my friend Dominique Foxworth starting right now. Today certainly seems like all around ESPN, it's Dominique Foxworth Day. So we had to have him on the Bill Barnwell show to not only plug his new show, which is, I believe, Dominique, the Dominique Foxworth show. Is that correct? That is correct. I had another name, but they didn't like it. Oh, so, no. <laughs> it's a little, a little too risque for old Disney brothers and sisters. Well, I regret asking on the air what the na- other name of the podcast was. Uh, it was um, Mother Football Show. <laughs> These people didn't like it for whatever reason. For whatever reason, they was like, oh, maybe we should just go with your name. And I was like, all right, that works. <laughs> Sorry, Christine, you're going to have to beep that out, huh? Yeah, that'll happen. Uh, we're, we're expecting that on this podcast. Did That's you know why. that Dominique Foxworth Day is an actual day? No, I did not. Yeah, so in Baltimore County, yeah. where I grew up, mm-hmm. uh, the day I signed to go to Maryland, I, I don't know how, who went about this. Maybe it's my high school coach or principal or something. I guess you can like write a letter to your local politician, and mm-hmm. they will like give you a decree. So I think it was February 7th. Because my number was seven, mm-hmm. it was Dominique Foxworth Day in Baltimore County. So I hope everyone is excited. I'm not sure why they forced it into Black History Month, but I'd like <laughs> spread it out. It seems like it might have been a little offensive. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I did not. I, it seems like one of those like Facebook holiday things where you can you <laughs> to fill out the right form. Have this. Oh, absolutely! It's absolutely manipulation of the process. It ain't a holiday if you don't get a day off. So it's not a real holiday. But I do have with my parents somewhere in the basement of their house, or maybe they threw it away. There's like an official seal from the illustrious Baltimore County government saying that February 7th is my day. So, hey. Do you still celebrate Dominique Foxworth Day? Still, I never did. Like, never did. <laughs> the, the day that I signed, we had like a little, my school was really small and I was the first division one athlete out of that school. It was relatively new and small. So it was like a big deal. They had like a, a, a um, like an assembly and whatever. So they made a big deal out of it then, but that was the only time we celebrated it. Never again. You didn't get to do a hat thing. That was before, that was after your time. A hat thing? You know the hat thing where like you... oh 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 yeah 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 no I didn't do yeah the the I don't think I would have anyway I don't know I'm not one for all the theatrics as a oh, person yeah. who that's a great thing <laughs> great thing for a podcast host I don't like yeah I just like to to curse in my my podcast name and uh like to just keep, uh, keep it lucky. 
Oh, man. I mean, profanity is subjective, just like almost everything else is in this world. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to a lot to, of, of subjective topics here <laughs> on the show, because today we are going to ask Dominique Foxworth to defend his tweets. We're going to talk about some football stuff. Oh. I think some first take stuff, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Oh. Uh, I'm a man who loves nuance. In Dominique Foxworth, we are going to give him the opportunity to be nuanced here on the show. Do you want to talk about your podcast first, though? Do you want to give us any details on what it's going to be like? Uh, preview it for the people. Um, awesome. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best thing you ever heard ever um, in the history of the medium of any audio medium. And I mean, maybe visual also because we will be on YouTube. So I'd prefer you watch it on YouTube because then you can get distracted by things that are behind me and not listen to what I'm saying. But I don't know. I think at the beginning of the show, we're going to have the first couple of weeks. We're going to be figuring some things out. So be can nice. Be gentle. No, nah, you can listen. Just just um, hit me with some advice, suggestions. But you know me, Bill. I try my best and I've done a good job of like quelling my like competitive instinct that can ruin relationships and also make me very unhappy. Sure. However, put my it's name back. on the show. Oh, it is back. all the way back. It is all I'm coming on your podcast only with the intentions of eventually leaping over you and downloads. That's all I got. I mean I got I have to I, have, I don't know what I have to some, do. I have some bad news. You you may already be accomplishing that in the first week of the show. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> see, I don't I don't, I like, I don't like this false humility. I I'm not, I'm not a, a I'm not fake giving false guy. humility here. I'm getting uh, actual. And you're also, I believe this has been announced now, you're also appearing every week with our friend Mina Kimes. That has been announced. That is happening. I'm going to give people, I, I got to figure out how to come up with new content every time. What's going to be different? Because that's, that's a lot of takes. I got get up. I got first take. They are taking all my takes. See, this is, this is how I'm going to beat you. I, I I can't I can't take you on head on, but what I can do is spread you so thin that you get worn out and retire. That is my goal. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's what happened in my football career. So why <laughs> why not why not in my media career also? Sad, very sad if you tear an ACL podcast and that leads to your demise. I hope that's not the case. Oh man, that would be pretty unfortunate. Well, but uh downloads smound loads it's like selling albums just because you sold a lot i feel like vanilla ice went platinum that don't mean his his songs were good well ice ice baby i mean i can't deny that shit it was hot you know what's crazy though like there is a whole subset of stuff from the 90s like uh the macarena or how bizarre like these songs that would have been like, oh, that's a cute thing on YouTube now. Those uh -huh. things sold actual records for like millions and millions of dollars in the '90s because there was no, there was no other way to access them for free besides the radio. So I mean, now though they're still making right. If you have one hit, you can still make a. Well, I don't know if the the um, artist does, but like the label still does because you're streaming, right? They're like, yeah, but you're not making that much on streaming. Uh, uh, I mean, I assume that it's potential you can make more. Well, I mean, I don't know the the dynamics of the the current uh, music industry. However, I feel like if you have to pay every time you listen to a song, if your shit is hot, then you might make a lot of money. I don't know. Who cares? Football. <laughs> Who cares? Football. That's right. Okay. Here's what we're going to do today on the Bill Barnwell show, which is soon <laughs> going to be canceled for the Dominic Fox show here. <laughs> you have, damn right. We have a bunch of tweets 
that are mostly football related, I think. We'll get to, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity. I'm going to read them. I'm going to give you the opportunity to contextualize them, and then we can talk about them. And let's get to one. We'll start with this one from a couple nights ago from the LSU game. Uh, this is from. This is a direct quote from your Twitter. Quote unquote. What a discouraging halftime interview from Brian Kelly. LSU fans got to be sick right now. We can't play any worse. Well, it's only my first game. Maybe we can, huh? So I wanna, what I want to ask you is number one. I think it's pretty obvious why you're upset with that what, with that comment. But from a player's perspective, what I want to ask you is, did you ever hear the stuff your coach said publicly and feel like it meant anything in terms of how they actually felt about you privately uh, behind closed doors as a player in the locker room? Absolutely not. Okay, that's what I thought. Because I mean, it's it's most of the times you the things you hear are they soften the things for the media right so i i mean anything that they said about me that was negative publicly they had already said that was much in a much harsher way <laughs> privately so like uh they normally try to sugarcoat it for the media and positivity the same way it's like eh, you know I, I was a, i was a cynical person and maybe i still am so like i don't know i didn't never put too much i regret it to some degree because not all coaches are are um selfish assholes but i kind of treated them all like they were and and so yeah they, i didn't care what they were saying i don't i don't blame you for having that be your default until proven otherwise frankly that's kind of actually a really good way to go about things i think yeah i mean i guess it keeps you from getting hurt but keeps you from making long lasting friendships like <laughs> you and i have that's true I have no power uh, over you, unfortunately. I can't fire you from any of your jobs. That's how I know that you're a real friend. Because yeah. you can reach out with I mean, it's very different from coaches. So that's true. But what do you, do you like what do you think that Brian Kelly's statement's actually gonna matter in a week no. or two? Or is it just kind of a thing of the moment? It's only gonna matter to I mean the, from what I understand, LSU and SEC football in general, uh and fans, frankly, of any university, they whip up these ideas about their coaches, whether they're true or false. And mm -hmm. that's not a helpful quote to have be <laughs> in your first game. You know, so if things go poorly for Brian Kelly, or even if they're mediocre for Brian Kelly and not all the way bad, this general demeanor, and he follows this up with more stuff like this, which I feel like is his way. Because the, the quote was just like, we can't play any worse. Well, maybe we can. This is only my first game. Mm-hmm. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't even know where to start. What's wrong with that? And so if he continues to say things like this and they aren't the dominant force that they've been for the past few decades, then it becomes a problem. And I, I think the players pick up on those uh, like characterizations of their coach also and it hurts. So like, that's just a dangerous place to be in. Just say the right things. That's why you don't give anybody anything they can work with. But remember, the audacity of this man, Brian Kelly, who has a 10-year, uh, over $100 million contract over the next 10 years. This is the same guy who affected a Southern accent after growing up in Massachusetts and coaching at Notre Dame, Central Michigan, and Grand Valley State. So, like, wouldn't it, like, maybe I wouldn't say that if I were a coach. Maybe you wouldn't say that if you were a coach. This man has nothing to fear. Like, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen to Brian See, Kelly? See, I disagree wholeheartedly. Why? The, the idea that he would roll out a Southern accent suggests that he cares deeply. 
<laughs> about how they feel about him. And the idea that he already has this kind of carpetbagger uh, persona, or at least image, would suggest that he needs to do some image rehab already. And this ain't it. Like, Brian Kelly is headed in the wrong direction, as far as I'm concerned. But, I mean, none of that matter if they continue to get the best players and and they win. But they lost the... That's not a good team that they lost to. I mean, we'll find out. But Florida State was bad last year. <laughs> and they were great. Yeah, and they were... I guess you could say it was sloppy muff punts and blocked field goals. That's not who we are. But they didn't seem like they were overpowering. It just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, they, they frankly, they seem like an ACC school, which, as a former ACC player, that ain't what you want to be if you are at LSU. Okay, so let's say Brian Kelly. Uh, let's say Brian Kelly is trying his best. What's the worst that happens here? Brian Kelly's terrible. He gets fired after three years. He collects a hundred million dollars if that happens. Like if, if you were getting that kind of contract, wouldn't you just try to drive it straight into the sun as quickly as possible? So that you could be off, you can get paid yes. to to not do anything <laughs> to, to to be in better weather than Louisiana. Uh, yeah, Louisiana is is hot, but the weather's not nice. It's it's thick, as I like to call it down there. Um, no, because I would also not like to be a laughing stock. I think that you cannot buy pride, and you cannot pay off shame like those are things that i would have a hard time dealing with and if i get like i remember every time we would lose i never won a super bowl so i lost in the playoffs plenty of times i'd be so upset until the next morning because <laughs> the next morning i wake up and it's like all right i'm young i'm free i got nothing to do for a little while like that it, it made it a little softer but still it doesn't change the fact that it really hurts and you really want to win i think brian kelly's in the same boat that after he gets fired <laughs> which i'm not wishing on him then he can uh lay on his piles of money do a scrooge mcduck swim and and hit us with the lebron james that you gotta wake up to your terrible yeah, life. life yeah but until then I think it's it's real hard to walk around. I mean, it's even not it's not even like you're in a big city. It's in true. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. If he stinks, he can't go nowhere. Oh, that's, true. that's a good point. I didn't think of that. He, he's he it's all nowhere. it's all DoorDash for you if you <laughs> if if you stink as the LSU head coach. And the DoorDash man is not going to be nice to you either. No, you're, you're ordering under a fake name. Yeah, absolutely. You don't you don't want no spit in your crawfish. You better order under. Kelly Bryan. Kelly Bryan. No one's <laughs> going to see through that. That's genius. No, I mean, that's as creative as their offense was. Is how creative he'll wow. be with his with his fake name. Wow. Okay. Let's move on to a coach you seem to love. And this is another direct quote from your Twitter. God damn it. Now, I love Dan oh. Campbell. Yeah. It's, it's, the, uh, it's the hard knocks effect. I watched one episode and I was all in and then I refused to watch any more episodes because I could not come out of this summer believing that the Lions were going to be good or even wanting the Lions to be good. I don't need that pain. (laughs) I don't need to fall in love with Dan Campbell and and Aaron Glenn or yeah, was it Aaron Glenn? Yeah. Yes, Aaron Glenn. Yeah. And and uh, any of those other people on that team so that I could have my heart broken. Aiden Hutchinson throughout the course of the season. I already love Penny Sewell, but mm-hmm. I don't care if they lose. I just want him to play well. 
So you had a brief fling with Dan Campbell. Yeah. Because of Hard Knocks. Now you're over it. Yeah, it was a torrid affair. I had to watch Hard Knocks late, extra late one night. So I was feeling a little little lonely. Um, I got all the kids to bed. I think my wife was out with uh, her sister and some friends. And it was just me. I thought you were going to say out with an injury. I thought you were going to say out with an ankle. No, 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 no. She's tough. She'll fight through it, pick that thing up. And, uh, and take care of business. But yeah, I was just here alone. I had to watch it on DVR, or not DVR, or uh, stream it because I was late to it. And it was late. And I just fell for him. Sometimes, sometimes we make bad decisions. I was, I was watching those. Yeah, I was watching those up downs and it was just doing too much, doing something to me. And now I'm back to my senses. I got caught up in that, that hard knocks trap, but mm. I defeated it. Okay. Another coaching question here. A lot of these. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Are the Lions one of your teams that are going to do better mm, this year I, than they did last year? I wasn't going to mention that. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring in that part of the conversation. But yes, they are. Yeah, Not because of hard out. knocks. Uh, you can put dress it up with all your numbers and statisticals and un- analytics <laughs> all that you want. Don't nobody care about that. You I know. A sucker for Dan Campbell. Just I know. Like me. You're telling me. You're telling me. No one cares about it. I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm well aware. But. <laughs> I mean, I think there is something really interesting about how like that identity is formed as a coach, right? Because I think that line between Dan Campbell and Dan Campbell being sort of beloved, even before Hard Knocks, I think Dan Campbell had a lot of people in his corner last year. And like that slightly different sort of hard-ass attitude that like a Joe Judge had or a Matt Patricia had, like that is interesting the form because I, I'm never going to be a head coach. I don't have to worry about that, but just that, that vision of like, I'm going to be a tough guy and and how that is interpreted. Like that's a very narrow line to me. Maybe it's not to you as someone. No, I mean, he's, a, he's a different type of tough guy coach. Like I, it, he strikes me as a genuine tough guy, not a fake tough guy, which is a problem. It's hard to be tough guy coach. Like say you're Joe Judge and you never played, but it's you're capable of pulling it off. It's but he strikes me as tough. I mean, based on what we've seen, as tough guy coach who is not tough for the sake of being tough. He has no intention of turning these guys into anything that they are not. Mm-hmm. Um, you just like these are the standards. This is what we expect, and this is how you're going to be great. And I'm gonna hold you to that standard and also encourage you to be like yourself. I think that's the part that got me the mm-hmm. the joe judge like version of that is very different it, it doesn't it comes off more old school and like mm-hmm. there's only one way to do it you gotta do everything exact right way and there's no room for personality no one else has any ideas worth mm-hmm. listening to but my own and that type of ego and then that's like particularly undercut by someone like him who does not have a playing or impressive coaching resume. So mm-hmm. Dan Campbell has a playing resume and he's not asking. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like there's different types of tough guys. And he seems like a tough guy that's on your side, not a tough guy that uh, is beating you down, but I'm not on that team. So I'm sure some people on that team feel different. Mm-hmm. So what you're telling me is Joe judge should have on his first day, gone up and fought Mike Lennon to prove that he was tough. Is that fair? Um, 
Not and not lose though. I feel like Glennon would have. I feel like Glennon would have whooped him. I think you gotta mm. you gotta take a kicker or somebody. You can think. No, I think kickers would have whooped him too. Yeah, I think that's fighting what, is not the move for Joe Judge. That's what Urban Meyer tried. It didn't work out for him. Yeah, Urban Meyer. So whole nother ball of wax. You love talking about Urban Meyer. You didn't get enough chances to talk about him on first take. I feel like this is another Goodness opportunity gracious. for you to get to him. Well, I mean, I am rooting for Jags this year. That's for sure. Also hey. on the list. Yeah. Also on the list this year for most likely to improve. Everybody hates your numbers except for me. I read your stinky list. You're telling me. I it wasn't that stinky. Being an I like plus it. Subscriber. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition and right now get five dollars off any eight corner pizza with code eight save that's the number eight s-a-v-e go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a jets pizza location near you again try jet signature eight corner pizza and get five dollars off with code eight save that's number eight s-a-v-e jets pizza better because it has to be when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, next coach question for you, Dominique Foxworth, about the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I think this was a big argument. I didn't watch the video, so I can't uh, say. Yeah. Uh, regarding re the Pats, it's okay to be wrong. So the Pats are going to be the worst offense in the league. Y'all really be thinking some of these coaches are real-life geniuses. So yeah. what are you referring to here? And make this argument for me that these coaches actually don't matter all that much. Because it sounds like that's what you're saying. No, it's not that I don't think that they don't matter all that much, but I do think that they are. So this was me fighting with Dan Orlovsky and Marcus Spears, and they both were arguing that like it's was that they're a team. They're 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 an NFL team. That's (laughs) not smart on your part. Yes, yes, yes. They were arguing that it was the biggest travesty ever. And this was before all the reports came out about how bad things were in Pat's uh, training camp. But they were arguing that. This was the end of the Patriots offense. They're not going to have any success at all. And my point is not that you can grab somebody off the street and make them an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. But if you have coaches who have coached in this league a long time, even if they weren't on the offensive side of the ball, they are capable of moving over and coaching offense reasonably. Mm -hmm. I I just don't believe that we ascribe so much intelligence to offense. And this is, probably me being a defensive player and and we don't give that same right. credit to defensive coaches and right. i do not think that it's it's that much more difficult or more difficult at all so i guess that was the point i was making is like what, mcdaniels cool it guys like <laughs> there's a, there's a couple of good coaches in this league that I think are special, mm-hmm. but I guess my point was I don't think that Joe Judge or Matt Patricia are gonna be the second coming of Kyle Shanahan or Mike mm-hmm. Shanahan for that matter. They will not be any level of Shanahanian coach, but I think 
they're like they'll be middle of the pack like mm -hmm. the, they were making an argument that this is just the biggest travesty that um that bill belichick wouldn't name an offensive coordinator and i was like it's a whole staff bill belichick is on it like they're not going to go out there and look like the bad news bears so chill mm -hmm. out these coaches are not real life geniuses <laughs> Like, they be right. like it's Einstein out there. Chill out. <laughs> like no one is out here coming up with theories to explain the, the universe. Like these guys are calling plays that have been pre-approved on a play sheet. And they were saying it's so hard. You got to have the rhythm in the game. No, you don't. It's third and six. Look down at your menu that has 10 third and six plays on it mm -hmm. and call the one that's good against man coverage. If they ran man coverage the last time you were in third and six, <laughs> what the hell? It's not that hard to actually like call the stuff in game. Now scheming and all that stuff, the pre week the, or the mm -hmm. weeks leading up. Okay. I give you something that's a little bit challenging, but you're going to have the help of the greatest coach in NFL history on that team. They'll See? be all right. This, this is exactly where me as a layperson and you as a former player can agree because you can just do ass batting. Just do that on the sideline and that'll work. I mean, that's essentially what they're doing. They're asking their play sheet menus. My wife just walked up to record me talking to you. I think she's going to make fun of me on Instagram. That's that must be the point. She's the so best. mean to me. You deserve it. I'm not going to lie. That's I'm not upset fair. with you about that. that that's that's totally warranted and fair. <laughs> I, I think it's such a weird thing because like number one we've seen other coaches do this before it hasn't always been successful but i think yeah. about andy reed where he had juan castillo who had been his longtime offensive line coach and then became the defensive coordinator i believe there right. uh, with the eagles and granted that did not work but it's not as if this is the first time any coach has ever taken a defensive coach and moved them to the offensive side of the ball or vice versa um on top of that i i think the belichick factor comes into play here right i mean yeah. this is a, a coach who helped Tom Brady prepare for games for 20 years. And there's video of him helping break down. I remember there's a famous, I think it's the Ravens, right? Where he's breaking down Ed Reed and breaking down the Ravens yep. with Brady. I mean, that is that is a meaningful part of that offensive infrastructure. And I think given how much they have on the defensive side of the ball, where they have drawn Mayo, who seems to be very capable and was getting a coaching interviews this offseason, it certainly seems like Belichick could focus more on the offense when it comes to game planning and the play calling stuff again like you'll you'll hear people in the nfl who absolutely think that there's this secret sauce and it is it is incredibly important and you have to be a genius to call plays and you'll hear teams who say ah like i might be good at it someone else might be good at it we don't always care and frankly the teams who don't really seem to care about it are typically better on offense than the teams who think it is a incredibly exact science so yeah i i i think the thing is that they don't think it's a science. That's the problem. If they thought it was a science, they would be smarter about it like me. They think <laughs> it's an art and they think that you've got to have a feel for it. There's something like, no, no, that's what people say when they don't know what they're talking about. So, and the Belichick, I think it was like in his NFL football life or something. Yep. One of those clips of him talking to Brady about the Ravens was him calling me instinctive, which I took as an insult. It, wow what what did what would you want bill belichick to call you on that clip instead sexy so, i mean yeah. i mean it goes, goes without saying i guess some of us some of us have never been called that before so it's <laughs> the minus a likely thing but i appreciate that you want to be called handsome at all times i understand that and that's totally fair uh, uh not handsome you want to be a step beyond 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if sexy is beyond handsome, but I think, I think handsome's better personally. Sexy just implies that Belichick is just overcome with lust, that he's just, you know, yeah. just so spurred by his own. Yeah. His I own prefer desires. I prefer that. I mean, I'm married. I just I just want people to lust after me. You don't got to <laughs> <laughs> you don't got to think I'm handsome. I appreciate that. But uh, I, 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 I think handsome objectively is different than sexy. Sexy, again, I think it's, it's subject to, to your own other feelings about maybe Belichick's just a lonely guy. He spends a lot of time <laughs> in the film room. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. There's a lower bar for that. I feel you. Well, mm-hmm. their play calling is not going to be sexy this year, which I appreciate. I, I'll also point out last year, their play calling was like the most <laughs> conservative in football. Like they would just... <laughs> Yeah. Anytime it was like third and six or more, it yep. was screen or draw. Like, yeah, you could, I could do that too if I want to just keep Mac Jones in a in a chamber and never actually risk him having to read something out or doing something scary. Like, it's it's fine. Like, it's okay if you Didn't want to have a three team. pass game one time in in that game against the uh, game against the Bills, Bills the uh, right. very cold yeah. game where he threw three times and they ran the ball like forty seven times and won. So it it doesn't take that much. That's not the hardest part of the job by any means. So, this is a Ravens-related question. I'm going to ask you to tell us some stories here. Lots of players in the NFL, you tweeted, have never been taught how to watch film. To be honest, I thought I knew how. A rare, rare piece of humility here from Dominique Foxworth. To be honest, I thought I knew how, but I didn't really learn until year five when I started watching with Ed Reed. Team should hire Ed as a film study consultant for quarterbacks and safety. So, floor is yours. Tell us about what you learned watching film with Ed Reed that was different from watching film as a college and pro player. And where is the genius here? Um, the genius is, I mean, it doesn't sound genius when you point it out, but it's in pattern recognition. That's what film study is about. And it's in um, the computation of a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So on any given play, there's several different things that you can look at. Mm-hmm. From the formation to the down and distance to the time on the clock to the field position to the weather conditions, um, any of that to the personnel that they actually have in the game. Mm -hmm. All of these things can give you hints on what play you're going to see, what they like to do in certain situations, and also like what coverage you're in, which I think was one of the big steps that I took when I started um, watching with Ed is... Mm -hmm. I'm watching everyone else and I'm looking for all these hints and tips and tidbits and not realizing that they're looking at us for the same thing Mm -hmm. and realizing that sometimes when we show, I think the big, big interception that Ed had that this is a different footage of Bill Belichick raving about Ed Reed Mm -hmm. was we played against the Colts and the Colts would repeat um, successful plays. So they ran a comeback on me and uh and a zone blitz so they repeat successful plays the reason why they do that is we can't call anything more complicated Mm -hmm. we have to go to a base defense or rerun the defense that we were in Mm -hmm. so we're all doing like the basketball traveling signal to each other to tell each other like after they they ran a comeback caught it they're lining up again we're doing a traveling signal Mm -hmm. which is obviously communicating run it again Mm -hmm. to all about it everybody on our team and also on their team and so Ed and I, before that game, watched film, noticed that they like to repeat those plays. We all talked about it, and this is just between me and him. It's like, this is not a whole defensive call. I will look at you when this happens, 
And you will look at me, we'll nod, and that means you sit on the comeback and I'm going to roll over top and take the interception. So Manning comes up, does a hard count, just in case we're going to shift out of it and change it and we just roll deeper into it and he's like all right they're running an exact same uh fire zone pressure that they did last time mm-hmm. and so he steps back and um looks right down the middle field at ed to hold him there and ed takes two steps away from me to the left then manning whips back to the left and cocks to throw the comeback i sit on the comeback reggie wayne runs by and throws his hand up which is convert the route and and um, Peyton puts it up and thinks he has a touchdown. But as soon as Ed, after Ed took those two steps, he didn't look at anything else. He rolled back over the top to me to get the interception. So that's like, we did that a couple other times. I did it with other safeties after I learned it from Ed. Another time where Ed, we're in cover two and it's two by two quarterback under, um, I think it might've been third and short. Mm-hmm. Two by two with wide splits quarterback under is quick game normally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're thinking double slant. Uh, quarterback hard counted us, which we like rolled into our cover and blew our disguise. We're in cover two. And so Ed's like, all right, they know we're in cover two. They're running quick game. They either are going to run double outs or slants. Mm-hmm. So if we're in cover two, slants are better to the outside receiver because the corner has outside leverage. And Ed comes from the deep half, which is absurd to steal a slant. And he only did that because he's aware of what they're aware of, which is like another level of film study that I don't think that most people are doing. And I wasn't doing until I started to play with him. So, I mean, that was all great, but did anybody call you sexy at any point during the the other clip? (laughs) No, everybody called me um, terrible. And I was like, man, lucky Ed (laughs) was there to save him. I've been trying to explain this play for many years now and no one will ever believe me, but it's fine. We did it again in Green Bay with Haruki Nakamura, I think mm-hmm. was the safety. Sure. And they did a similar thing and he rolled over the top and got the interception again on my side. So I mean, I'm just saying. So you feel like you want to take credit for the success of the various safeties the Ravens have had over the past 15 years? No, nope, just Ed. Just Ed. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100% responsible for his Hall of Fame career. I just want to point out that you played a significant portion of your career with either Champ Bailey or Ed Reed. And yet, yet, and yet, maybe your best season was with the Atlanta Falcons where neither of those players were present. Very true. That was my best season. What, um, is that, what does that tell you? Um, it's nothing like a contract year. <laughs> <laughs> and it's nothing like a, a deep sadness and depression to help you <laughs> focus on your job and care about nothing other than that. Yeah. Happiness is bad for me if I want to be good at things. I need. (laughs) That Uh, needs to be somehow involved with the introduction to your show. Happiness, happiness is bad for me if I want to be good at things. The Dominic Foxworth story. Please don't put that on Instagram. That's going to be very sad if that gets on Instagram. Uh, Another cornerback question here for you, and this is retweeting our friend Stephen Ruiz, who was commenting on a graphic that noted Marlon Humphrey allowed more passing yards last year than Eli Apple of the Cincinnati Bengals. And the quote is abolish coverage stats. So I want to ask you when it comes to evaluating cornerbacks, is there any good way to do it? Um, No, I I assume that you mean other than watching them play. I, 
I've never actually watched an NFL game before, so I, I don't think I'm qualified to answer that question. But I mean, well, if you watch an NFL game with the TV copy, it's very hard to evaluate secondary right. play because of the view. But if you do get the the um the film copy, then that's the best way to do it. Coverage stats are so hard because no one really knows what they're supposed to be doing at any different given time. So it's really difficult to mark someone uh for giving up a curl if they're in cover three like right. the curl's gonna be there in cover three uh or the underneath defender has to get it so it's i mean it's really difficult to say to base someone's performance off of how many yards that they've given up mm -hmm. and i mean I, I think obviously if you want to watch a particular player yes you can sit there and watch a few games of them on tape and you can get a much better sense of how they're playing but when you're trying to compare players or compare everybody in the NFL, you really cannot watch every yeah. single cornerback yourself at a really high level. And I think yeah. that's that makes it really difficult. So I, I use is every really cover with a grain of salt, but I I think there's there's so many other factors that go into it that those one for one comparisons are really tough. And I mean, if you're doing your job really well and they choose not to throw at you. And then the one time they do throw at you, they catch a pass. It's just it's the nature. I mean, it's why um, defense is one of the reasons why defense is much more fickle uh, than offense is. Like you can have a great defense one year and a mediocre defense the next, and you can have them week to week. It just doesn't tend to happen the same for, for offenses. Mm -hmm. That's very fair. Okay. This is going to be a nerdy question. As much as you like to pretend you're just pure sex vibes. That's it. We, we know you're a nerd. So this is going to be your nerd question. It was too dense to get into on first talk, you said, but I love talking union stuff. So you have to talk about it here. And this is straightforward. Max salaries help more players than it hurts. Limiting the top guys means more pie for the rest. And having the max benchmark forces some teams to max guys that aren't on top tier. Yeah. I did not think this, but when I read your tweet, I thought about it differently. Please explain what you're talking about and why it makes sense. I think we were having an argument about NBA salary. And so because there is a max salary distinction, every team is kind of forced to give a max salary to their best player. Mm -hmm. And yeah, without sure. the max salary distinction, then that would not happen. They would slot the player in more like, all right, well, you're around the 25th best player in the NBA. So we'll pay you somewhere around what that player somewhere behind what the 24th best player uh, makes and factor in uh, cap growth. And now it's not like that. There is no negotiation. It's like, I'm your best player. Give me the max deal. So for so many players, I don't know how many, if you say that LeBron James at his peak is a max guy, sure. uh, I feel like maybe there's only five to top to maybe 10 max players in the league at any time, much more than them, much more than that gets the max. So mm -hmm. it helps those other really good, but not great players. And it also helps the rank and file players because you put a cap on how much LeBron can make, which means that there is uh, LeBron is not one of these guys who is getting the max because he's the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. He and Kevin Durant and, and uh, any of the great players in the NBA get max salaries. Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in football mind. I was trying to think of 
uh, the Joker. That's what I was thinking of, but I couldn't remember his name. And then you laughed at me. It made me uncomfortable. And be you, know, you know more than two NBA players. You don't. I you're know, not trick but me. I just uh, I just got a little lazy. And beats good too. I hear he's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard. It's not bad. Those guys. Like but anyway. I- I feel like most of our conversations are undebatable, so I feel like I've talked about Kyrie Irving with you more than anybody else on planet Earth. That that's what really happened is when I said KD, Kyrie popped into my mind, and then I was like, I can't say Kyrie because that'll complicate this conversation. Then I was like, what about the big white dude from Denver? And then (laughs) what's the opposite of Kyrie Irving? Yeah, yeah. Then all I could think of was uh, Novak Djokovic, and I was like, no, not that Joker. So if you really want to, we don't want to have. If you really want to climb into my brain, and then I was like, you know what? Bleep it. Um, in the other guys that are that good. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, um, you put a cap on their salaries, which yeah. uh, means that there's more money for the rank and file to get salaries that are inflated above it. So I think when you argue about those things and also like uh, the the uh, franchise tag in football, like they are not great for small percentage of the players but they probably end up benefiting the rest of the players uh which is why we should abolish the cap in the draft well that's a that's a we should abolish the cap in the draft but i don't know that that is the logic i would i would argue well i mean Uh, we can go a bunch of different ways but in this way it it pits players against each other so i guess i don't i don't like it it's hard to galvanize and create solidarity if players understand the economics of it they understand that sometimes there are things that actually are zero sum in some cases only because of the existence of the cap. But it's funny uh, in the meetings, the CBA negotiation meetings, it was always fun to watch when the owners got mad at each other and were fighting. That was my favorite. Well, you know how it is, right? These are multi-billion dollar people, some of whom inherited the team, some of whom are actually business people, but no one ever tells them no. Like, like they go weeks without ever hearing no from a single person. So anyone push back on them is terrified. They don't know what it's like. Yeah. It's fun though. When they have the same way, the players, sometimes our incentives are at odds, depending on where we are in our careers. It's just funny when they also in the same situation where their incentives are at odds. And then it's like, Oh, but I can normally just like overpower everybody with my connections and money. But this one, this guy has the same thing. He's just as rich and white as me. Oh no, what are we gonna do? Fist the cuffs. <laughs> I agree with you. I mean, I, I I thought the franchise tag is bad for players. And of course it is bad for some players. There's some players who do not get what they deserve or have to wait on what they deserve or it impacts their negotiating leverage because the threat of the franchise tag changes what they have to work with. But those players get a disproportionate amount of attention probably given that they are usually the most successful players and there are hundreds of players who do have money trickle down and i like when you negotiated with that cba uh what 12 years ago now or 11 years ago now i mean it did benefit the players who were the rank and file to benefit the, the the sort of the 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 entry level players more so than i think players at the very top i'm down for some nitty gritty in the weeds union talk but it's all about incentives nothing says successful podcast like long (laughs) 
Yes. Long union CBA discussion. Oh, let's do it. Let's get into the legal mumbo jumbo and everything. Nah, let, let, let's. Antitrust violations. Let's do it. Let's finish up talking about, I would say, one of the most insulting things I think I've ever heard you say about somebody. When you said, quote unquote, Mad Dog Russo was 20 years old when Babe Ruth played on first take. <laughs> I was not salting. I was. I am of a culture where um, age equals wisdom, so (laughs) we all aspire to be as wise as the doggy. I like him. He's he's a. I don't know him like that personally, other than working with him. But working on first take is there's two type of people when you're on first take. There's Mm -hmm. people who want to entertain and people who want to win, and. Mad Dog is the former, which I like working with. Um, people who want to win, it's like uncomfortable because it's like, you know, this ain't a real game. We get <laughs> we get paid by how many people watch. Not, you know, like that that is that is our scoreboard. It's not like how many times you dunked on me. Like, unless the dunking is entertaining, I'm good. And that's what I felt from Mad Dog is he was like, oh, this this guy's funny. Oh, he can dunk on me all he wants. So did you just have a, a, a session where you just wrote as many Mad Dog burns down as possible, or was what's this straight off the dome? Um, it was mostly off the dome. Wow. It was a couple of them that I was like, "Let me." It's normally like during the break or something. Something will come to me, and I'm like, "All right, let me figure out how I can squeeze this bar in," and then you do it. Now I'm worried because I'm never going to go on first take, but we do do appearances together. And now I'm worried there's just the, this notebook of just burns on me that uh, just waiting to get out. I would never. I would never. Um, but uh, this you might consider this a burn, but you're a really good podcast producer. This has been a good podcast. And I had no idea we were going to talk about it. And we covered like funny, dumb, smart, football, union, sexiness with bill belichick like you excellent job i'm not a podcast producer to be clear i'm a podcast host maybe i, I know to be but a podcast i mean producer i mean that you are also the producer that's why i see you might take it as a burn i did not mean that you're a bad host you're a great host i've known that you've had a successful podcast for quite some time but i Very never old. considered the fact that you were able to produce a great podcast without any input from the guests you asked me what i want to talk about i said i'll know and then you came with all these fire concepts to make a good show. It was meant to be a compliment. Bar. Let's be realistic. You did not say, I don't know. You just didn't respond to the text when I said, yeah, what do you want to talk about? Which I thought, man, I don't know. <laughs> it does. It does mean <laughs> I, I, I will just take this on myself and hope Dominique shows up, which you did. You showed up on time. You did course. a great performance. And now you can move on to the 18 other shows you have to do today. Thank you, buddy. This has been but, fun. Please, again, plug all the stuff you're going to be doing in the weeks to come um i mean i don't really care about the rest of the stuff my name is only on one show so download the dominique foxworth show uh you can watch it on youtube or any podcast app rate it review it follow it notification it all that stuff it'll get good soon if it's not good yet i haven't recorded the first episode yet so i would be a lot more comp- confident if i recorded it and i knew it was great but i'm recording it at four and we'll figure out if it's great or not. Are you doing like Russell Wilson style visualizations for the successful podcast? <laughs> no, I'm more of a Dak Prescott hip twitch guy. <laughs> <laughs> Snap them hips, baby. <laughs> Just bumping and grinding into a good podcast. You're damn right. <laughs> no wonder Bill Belichick thinks you're sexy. Mm-hmm.
He said I was instinctive. It's like what you say when somebody's not smart. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like a, a, yeah, it's a throwaway compliment. That doesn't actually mean anything. Well, I'm in the media, so I know all about that. That's what you say when you haven't watched a player closely enough. You're like, yeah, yeah, he's instinctive. <laughs> exactly. Co covers a lot of grass like other players don't run or something. <laughs> I mean, I would have taken that better than instinctive. That's fair. I don't know. What, what would you say about Bill Belichick? What, do you have an equally... As we Curmudgeonly? That, that, that seems outwardly antagonistic. You need something that's, that's more... Uh, complimentary, but yeah, not... More complimentary, but fake complimentary. Um, he is resilient. Okay, that's good. That's, yeah. that's very good. That's very Thank good. You. That is like when you have the fake... Like, like when you've actually caught, done the thing that caused you to be resilient, like when the Browns were talking about how um, they needed to get past the Deshaun Watson situation and it was Cleveland versus everybody, as if, yeah. you know, like there was something about uh, other people that were causing the trouble here. Yeah, uh, you're doing it yourself. Yeah, you ran um, Tom Brady out of town and you have been resilient in the face of that decision. Of your own adversity. Very, mm -hmm. very good one. Dominic Foxworth, a master improviser, Master cornerback, Hall of Fame maker, and now a man with a podcast with his own name on it. All right. Thanks so much to my friend and my guest, Dominique Foxworth. Check out the Dominique Foxworth show. Of course, check out his appearance on the Now Twice a Week Mina Kimes show featuring Lenny every week. Plenty of Dominique to go around. Hope you guys enjoy that. Hope you guys are ready for the NFL season. It's finally here. We're all talked out, all previewed out. Finally, actual football coming on Thursday. We'll be back next week, either previewing or recapping week one or heading into week two. Not sure what we're going to be doing. It might change each week depending on my schedule, but we'll definitely hit plenty of NFL stuff here on the Bill Barnwell Show. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys made it through the offseason in one piece. Hope you guys are ready for the NFL season.